Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. All right. Um, my name is David Agronoff, and um, you're listening to this recording for my blog, Postcards from a Dying World. Um, I have done over 600 book reviews over the last 10 years on my blog, and one of the authors who has been a mainstay in the last couple years, and one of my favorites, is Brian Evenson. Um, the reason I uh, consider myself... <laughs> A critic is that I've been reading genre fiction basically since I was a little kid, and um, I'm a writer too. I'm the author of Vegan Revolution with Zombies, Punk Rock Ghost Story, and Amazing Punk Stories. But we're here to talk tonight about Feral, um, co-written by James DeMonico and B.K. Evenson, which is the crafty pen name of Brian Evenson. And welcome, Brian. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and so I want to. I'm gonna. I have some notes, but mostly I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna riff uh, based on what what you have to say. But um, how did this project get started? Um, um, it, it started. You know, I I had uh, um, done some other kind of tie-in novels. I had done a book with Rob Zombie, and and I think that made people realize, oh, this is a guy who, who can do this and does it pretty well and enjoys it. And uh, there, was, there happened to be a guy at Blumhouse um, working for them who had been in a class that I had taught, uh, a summer class at Naropa, and they were trying to figure out who to have novelized the script by, by James DeMonico. Uh, and he just came up with my name and said, you know, Brian, Brian Evanson's a good idea. He's, he's done, you know, the, the Rob Zombie book. He's done some Dead Space novels, novelizations, and done an Aliens book, and, and why don't you ask him? So they asked me, and, you know, I, I thought, yeah, why not? I'll try it. Well, and I'm, I'm a big fan of um, your alien, the B.K. Evenson alien novel, which I think is just a great deep space noir, um, besides the fact that it has xenomorphs and stuff in it. Um, <laughs> but um, so this was a screenplay first. That's right. I think everybody suspected that when they were <laughs> when they were reading it. Those mm-hmm. of us who have read it. But right. So how much leeway did you have to create? Um, the novel from the screenplay? Did you have to follow it pretty closely? Did you and James like talk about ways that the novel would be different? How did that work? Well, we, we, we talked about things, that, ways in which it might change and be different. And, uh, um, you know, I, I followed it relatively closely uh, as we went along. And, and but, but basically what I would do is I would write about um, you know, write a chunk of it, maybe like a, a, a fifth of it, and then show it to James, and we'd talk about it and decide how it was working and where else to go and what else was needed. And there, there were a couple of things that, that changed. I think that one thing that happens when you're working on a screenplay of it's kind of in early stages of de- development, um, you know, you're, you're, things are kind of changing and developing there, too. So um, when I did this, the Rob Zombie book, the thing that was interesting was that... Um, um, it was based on the screenplay um, that was the original screenplay, and then they did the movie, and they realized it was, would be like three and a half hours long, so they just dramatically um, tightened it. 
Um, and so, uh, as a result, the the the, the novel is, is probably more faithful to the original screenplay than, than the, the the movie is ultimately. Um, but but I liked the idea a lot. I think that was it. Um, partly is is I just I felt like I could follow the idea along. Um, I experiment a little in terms of narrative voice and things like that. I, I you know I took some you know did some things and James was 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 um, game to try stuff and explore stuff. But he was very hands-on in terms of like being part of the project and engaged with it. Yeah, because I know um, I, I, some people, I think, um, were under the impression that, um, that he just handed you the screenplay and then you wrote it. But from the interviews that I've read, it seems like he was very, um, he was very, at least sounded excited about the collaboration that you guys yeah, had in yeah. the process. No, and that's the sense I had when we were working on it too. He was he was involved, and we kind of went back and forth a lot. Um, he he really would respond if he felt like it was going ways that he wasn't you know comfortable with, or when he felt like it was going ways he really liked as well. So so it was like a very um, active, um, uh, productive collaboration. So yeah, um, it, it seems too. Did did Blumhouse was part of the idea of is is like protecting this story and this concept by putting it into a novel form is that part of what they were thinking or um you know they had this line of books the blumhouse books and i i think that they had done an anthology that had a number of of filmmakers um writing stories mm-hmm. and J- james had a story in that which is a very nice story it's i think it's called the blumhouse book of nightmares um and you know eli roth had a story in there a bunch of other people um, and and they liked James's story well enough. The editor of that anthology did that. I think they thought, oh well, you know, we could actually do something longer with this. And and uh, um, and, and and then there was a script that was kind of in that space where it's almost being developed and not quite. And um, so I just thought, I think they decided, let's let's run with this. Let's just see what happens. Um, so a question about how the narrative was written, and then I want to get into the concept. Mm-hmm. Of the story, um, there's some pretty jarring narrative switches between first person at times, third person at other times, and um, sometimes that can be jarring for a reader. But me personally, in this particular novel, mm-hmm. it, it didn't it didn't slow me down or take me out of the novel. I I, I flowed with it really really well, and I was wondering um, how how much of that was planned out ahead of time or just how, how did that narrative switch happen, um, for you? Um, I, I think as, as we were kind of working on it, it just, it seemed natural to have those shifts and it, it kind of gave a rhythm to the book as well. I mean, they kind of come at certain moments in the book and, you know, so there's time where you spend with Allie and, and, you know, I think originally it's, it, you know, it's such a different thing to do a screenplay as opposed to doing a novel. Um, and and with, with a screenplay, it's very hard to do something from like the perspective of an individual. And and I I think honestly, when we started writing it, we thought, okay, well, this part's going to be from Allie. And then we hit a point where we just we really wanted to kind of expand beyond that, or where we wanted to kind of explore explore more of a third person perspective. And you know, we we really wanted to get into her head and her experiences, but also wanted to give you know a, a larger sense of the world that went kind of went beyond that as well. And and we will give a spoiler warning later because I'm i especially um, want to talk about the ending of the book, uh-huh. uh, uh, and usually what I do is I do about 
10, 15 minutes in, I just say, okay, spoilers, ahoy, here we go. Um, <laughs> and um, so one of the, um, yeah, so that really worked well for me. And I think that especially um, Ellie was definitely a strong character. It was, she was a good focus of it. Um, and I think one of the things that made it really interesting was the three-year jump between the mm-hmm. the first couple chapters and um, you know I think there is territory in there where there could have been stories in that three years but I what I think was good about the three year jump is that um, we were able in the beginning to see a little bit of Valley before um, shit hits the fan and then right. and then we know a little bit about her character but specifically I think we saw a little bit about how she viewed the way these teenage boys had had hurt her friend, right? Right, right. And, and, and so I think that added something to the kind of battle of the sexes things that, that's going on in the novel. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, I, I think that was part of the reason to do it. And then I also think that the three-year jump kind of makes it so you have to kind of figure out why Allie is the way she is kind of later in the book. Because she is, she's mm. you know she's holding back from a lot, and she's clearly gone through some stuff, and you have some ideas of what those are, but you know there's all this stuff that's happened in the meantime that you get your sister Kim tells you a little bit about, but you really don't have um, you know a, a definite idea. So, well, okay, and so I'm going to get into something that Marvin and I talked about when when we were in in the review uh, portion sure. of this, mm-hmm. which is that. What, you know, one of Marvin's initial um, feelings of the book was that, and one of the things we kind of debated was, and he wasn't saying this as a negative thing, but he mm-hmm. saw the book as um, a zombie novel, right? Mm-hmm. And right. I and I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I saw it as, a, well, it's an expansion of the zombie idea similar to M.R. Carey's The Girl with All the Gifts. Right, right. In in that it's doing something new and original and different. And what I said was that I thought it was more in the genre of, like, the weird apocalypse, kind of like, and you know, in some of my favorites, that's my favorite subgenre is a, is an apocalypse that happens with a weird high concept. Right. Um, like uh, Tim LeBond's The Silence or John Shirley's Demons. Um, right, right. Are great examples for me of of the weird apocalypse and for and what I liked about Farrell was I didn't yes it 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 can be declared as a zombie novel in, in many mm-hmm. senses but in another sense too this whole battle of the sexes thing where the pandemic only affects um, uh, males right. creates a very different kind of zombie apocalypse and. Um, you know, I was just wondering if you wanted to comment on what you guys were thinking about, like, how to subvert the zombie genre within that context. Yeah, um, you know, my son is suddenly crying downstairs. Hold on a second. Can, can you pause? Is that yep. possible? We're on. So I, I think what happened, um, you know, when one of the things we talked about a lot when we were working on the book was whether it was a zombie novel or not. And we, we both came to the conclusion that it, it wasn't. And in fact, one of the, the big things that we worked on together was the descriptions of the, the males and kind of reworking them and redrawing them in a way that made them um, seem less like zombies. 
And in fact, that was one thing that, that James was doing at the same time as he was doing kind of concept stuff for the movie, was trying to, to rework them in a way that suggested, you know, it's, it's almost like they're hyper-masculine um, you know, and have a lot of the traits that, that you know, people look for in, in, in men. Um, but, but, you know, it's kind of done to an extreme. Um, so which, which does seem very different from zombies in some ways. You don't have the same, um, uh, you know, shambling quality. You don't have the same mindless quality. You do have just this kind of feral brutality uh, that's part of it. And so, so, yeah, I mean, I think the idea that, that really what it's about is this kind of weird apocalypse um, is, is not a bad way to, to, to read it. It's like something's happened, this event that's created by humans and that's devastating and, you know, is really going to, um, you know, destroy um, civilization uh, and that they're just trying to figure out a way to kind of move past it and rebuild. Yeah. So this morning my wife said something that um, actually made me think of, you know, like, hey, I'm about to record this stuff about Farrell, which is that she was going to walk at 6.30 in the morning to go get a cup of coffee, and she said to, she made a point of telling me where she was going before yeah. she left. And the reason why is, is pretty clear. Um, it is very hard for women in this world to not feel at times preyed upon by, yeah. by yeah. masculinity. And so... Um, I'm not saying that the book doesn't tackle those issues, but there were times, and I said this in my review, that I wish it had been a little bit more on the nose, right? Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, yeah. when we get into spoilers, we'll talk about a time when when you, the book effectively did that. However, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to talk about it until we get into spoilers. Right. But... Well yeah, I mean, I think that, so we, we, we were kind of dealing with two things. One is this idea of, you know, that, that we, we didn't want it to be just a metaphor for the way in which things work in, in life. Um, you know, James and I both have daughters, and, and, and you, you do become kind of hyper-conscious of the way in which women are treated if you have, if you have daughters or, you know, if, if you have a spouse as well. I think it's something that you notice if you're a man. Um, and you realize that it is, it's really different um, in terms of how, you know, how people think about women and treat women. Um, we, on the one hand, we were trying to create this sense of these women who have worked very hard to create a society for themselves and who are kind of badasses. Um, but, you know, obviously um, that, that there are probably moments at, that, where that gets, that glosses over a little bit, the kind of level of threat that's out there kind of on a daily basis for women. Well, and I know Marvin pointed out that he liked that a difference between Farrell and a lot of books in this type of genre is that he felt like the communities, um, post-apocalypse in Feral were a little bit more cooperative than, yeah. than, than some that we've seen. Um, however, again, that was something that I feel like maybe could have been done a little bit more intensely, but at the same time, I would be worried about doing it too on the nose. So I think you guys mm -hmm. played that down, mm -hmm. down the middle pretty good. Um, you know, and if it sounds like I'm being overly critical, believe me, um, I gave this book four stars, and I, I really liked it. So, oh, no, no, it's okay. Don't so, um, However, one of the reasons why um, I'm, I, I think so much about this book is because um, 
I think the ideas are so potent in it, and that's one of the reasons why I really hope people will check it out. If they've made it this far and they haven't read it before, mm-hmm. I think that they're they're going to want to want to check it out. Um, so, one more thing about the narrative before we get into spoilers. Um, well, maybe actually, this is more into spoilers. So we are fifteen minutes in, so I think it's a good time to give people a last chance on spoiler warnings. And um, go full bore into, spo- into spoilers. So, cool. so yeah, sixteen minutes. That's perfect. All right. So we're in spoilers now. Um, so the ferals get smarter as the book goes on. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I wonder how much you guys talked about that in the process of making this. Was this is this something of like the effect of the pandemic sort of wearing off, or is this? just um a, a gradual thing that happens with the ferals and how much did you guys talk about that aspect of the novel um we we started to uh, part of that's in the screenplay but but the idea i think is more that um that there's there's certain ferals that that don't quite react in the way that they're used to it's it's like one in a hundred or one in a thousand and and that those start to be able to kind of manipulate the others mm-hmm. um there, there's a sense that there's a kind of you know, language in their howls, and, and that these, you know, just this this small group of ferals are able to kind of direct it. So there is a sense that there is a kind of mutation going on, or a way in which, you know, some people react to the gene differently, or things change. Um, but but I would say, yeah, it's a very small percentage. Um, you know, just a few mm-hmm. um, that kind of have that experience. Yeah, and so uh, a character that comes into the book that I definitely didn't want to talk about until we got to spoilers is Sam. Mm-hmm. Right. And Sam is the uninfected, because um, I know some, some people will go ahead and listen, um, even though um, I gave a spoiler warning. You know, like Duncan Barlow is a person <laughs> who's told me he does not believe in spoilers. Um, uh, I definitely believe in spoilers, because... <laughs> um, there are certain things in this book, for uh-huh. example, that I'm really glad I didn't know because I went into this book totally cold. I knew nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't even read the back cover description, anything. Um, I just read it based on the strength of your work and came to it that way. So when Sam is introduced into the book, um, I think um, my concern would have been, if I was in your position writing this, is being afraid of Sam becoming like a white knight figure that kind of becomes yeah. more of a hero. And yes, he is a heroic person at points of the novel, but he also, he and Ali, I think equally share some of the heroics towards the back end of the book. Right. I, I think that's true. And it is, it's, it's a struggle. I think to, you know, I think that was another thing we talked about a lot. was how to kind of balance that. And then also balancing it at the end um, with, uh, suddenly I'm forgetting her name, but the other character um, who he kind of, you know, at the very end of the book, who he kind of goes down with, mm-hmm. um, uh, having having the sense that it was never going to be just Sam kind of saving them, but, but Sam can do certain things, but these they're all kind of working together as a community. Yeah, there was another woman who, who uh, went down guns blazing yeah. with, with him, and... and um, I thought that was was very important little distinction, and we talked about that in the review. Um, and, um, y- you know, I think when, when you're... Okay, so when I said earlier that um, I felt like when the majority of the time that I was reading the book, 
I was saying to myself, oh, this is really good. I really like this. This is a really mm-hmm. cool, weird apocalypse. But, man, like, there are so many political issues to do with patriarchy that we could be exploring in this book. And it, through most of it, I felt like, oh, okay, I kind of feel like we're missing the opportunity here. And then on page 271, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you delivered. <laughs> um and on page 271, um, not only did you deliver on, like, kind of a politics, and I actually read this page in the review because it was so powerful to me. And this is the scene where um, uh, Sam discovers the breeding ground, right? Right. And um, not only was this kind of a, a story gut punch where it was, like, one of the most disturbing parts of the book, but... I think it got into the concept of my body, my choice yeah. in, a, in a real like physical way when the women start begging Sam to kill them. And so in that sense, like, you know, um, all the, the things that I was kind of grumbling about as I was reading them, I then went, oh, okay, Brian, there, there you go. You did it. Um, mm. well, that, that's good. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah I, I mean, those, those issues are, you know, having grown up in like Mormonism and which is a really patriarchal church. I mean, I, so much of my work has that mm. undercurrent in it, that, that kind of patriarchy and, and kind of the, the, the critique of patriarchy is a big part of what I do. And so I think it's implicitly there, but you're right. It only comes out kind of explicitly a couple of moments. Right. And, that, and, and that's why I said, like, there was a part of me, and I'm, I'm a political writer, and so I do some things on the nose sometimes. <laughs> and I'm not saying that it was the right decision, but um, – and, and one of the things we talked about in the review is I think it's all there. Um, it's all suggested in, in the story – um, and just the concept alone, you know, puts women in this, in this situation. But um, that was a scene where I just felt like um, it all came together and, and um, control of the body, control of, femi- of, of, of the feminine nature just mm-hmm. was, was, was really at the forefront of the story. And um, in some ways it made me feel bad for the way that I was thinking about the book earlier because it was so much more powerful when it was delivered in this scene that kind of remind it was like the feral version of the scene in aliens when they find yeah. like the nest where all the people are like hanging there and they're like yeah kill me and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean that in an insulting way I mean that in that like it was a great homage in that sense too and I just, I really love that scene. Cool. So. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it really Good. delivers. And yeah. So, and I, so I'm glad that we included it. Yeah. Was that ever? Oh, a, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad included. Yeah. I, I think that was, that was something that, you know, it, it does end up being something that kind of goes back and kind of informs everything else. So, so it's a good moment in the book, definitely. Was that ever a consideration to not have that scene in there? Because it is pretty brutal. Um, you know, I, I, the scene was always in there, um, but I think I, I remember spending a lot of time kind of working on how it was going to um, come across. So I, I did take a special special care with that scene and how it kind of 
kind of worked. So, so, so yeah, I mean, I do think I, something about me subconsciously recommend, I recognize the kind of importance of the scene. Yeah. I mean, so it was in the screenplay too. I believe it was in the screenplay. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost positive it was. Yeah. And so the other there in chapter 30, there's a scene where, um, where Allie walks into, I think it's, um, the library that Sam had, uh, kind of been held up in and there's all kinds of bodies and uh-huh. th- there's debris. And as much as it may seem as just like a little atmosphere scene, um, I dog-eared that page because, um, as a longtime Brian Evenson reader, <laughs> um, what I liked about it is that one thing that the BK Evenson mm-hmm. books give you the ability to do, I think, is, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but um, uh-huh. it's it's a little bit more straightforward of a story. So some of the right. the um, the bed sheets and rattling chains and things that are a part of, of the genre just um, kind of can't come out in certain parts of the book, and that is what I, why I dog-eared that page. I wonder. If you feel that way when you're writing a B.K. Evenson book versus a Brian Evenson book. Well, the thing that's interesting for me about doing those books is that I'm always like, it's like I'm in someone else's playground. Um, so, so you know, I'm, I'm working in the Aliens world or I'm working in the Dead Space world or I did a, a Halo novella that's kind of in, you know, that space and world. Um, and and it's, it's a question of trying to figure out, you know, the how I fit into that world and how I can still do the things I love to do um, kind of in that space. Um, and so, so, you know, I, I don't take these projects on unless I feel like there's a kind of entry point for me. Um, but it's, you know, it's a complicated thing in some ways to kind of figure that out exactly because you want to be true to the vision of the people who created the, the, the world as, as, as well. And so, so I, I do feel that, that what we ended up with with Farrell was a book that, um, is different than something I could have written, even though it has a lot of elements of me, but also different from something that James could have would have filmed. And right. so it's like that combination really came together for me. I think we ended up with something that um, we're both really happy with that that that's slightly different than either of us could have done. Yeah, and I get I I just I'm about to release a novel that I collaborated on and and. Right. You know, one of the cool things about collaborating is that, you know, a good collaboration should not look like either of the parents, right? It should right. have little bits and pieces of both, and and um, you know, I think that's that's a neat neat thing about this this book. Um, cool. So yeah, I mean, the the other thing I'll say, I mean, as I I take these the the BK Evan books Evanson books really seriously. Mm-hmm. And really enjoy writing them as well. And I mean, I think sometimes it's like they're books that that sometimes it'll be the only book that someone reads in the course of a year just because they're into the director or into the property or the video game or whatever. And so I kind of figure that you know they they should be written as well as they possibly can be. And so I you know I like this book as you said. I mean, it does this thing with with narrative um, perspective where there there are these shifts that might be be hard, and I'm trying to make it something that people can really enjoy, but also trying to make them read in a complex way. Um, so, so in that sense, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's a real privilege to kind of do these books because, you know, thinking that 
if you're writing something that may be one of the few books that someone reads in a year, um, it should be, you know, it should be a great experience for them. Yeah. And, you know, I noticed uh, one of the reviews I read online, <laughs> it's funny because somebody had said that they'd been a James DeMonaco fan since The Negotiator, which, yeah. which, wow. I, which is actually, <laughs> of all of his works, The Negotiator is the one that I'm really familiar with and really like. And, mm-hmm. um, and it, I think it's an underrated action film. But it was funny because when I read that in the review... And I thought to myself, well, wouldn't that be awesome if this person who is this big James DeMonaco fan ends up reading Immobility or The Last Days or, you know, and and that is definitely one of the things that, you know, I hope by uh, doing this specific interview that maybe one of those James DeMonaco fans will make their way towards your work. So um, in closing, because we are at a half an hour, um, Mm -hmm. you I just, um, yeah, that whole weird apocalypse thing, and I, th- I think th- that's what really separates Farrell, but um, just a last, like, little um, thing about the actual writing process. Um, when, when, when you take a, a screenplay, did you, um, did you block it out by, did you like take the, the printed out screenplay and block chapters from that? Or did you, how, how did you take the actual screenplay and turn it in, into the novel? I'm just wondering. Well, that so, so, uh, I mean, it, it, it varied a little bit. I've done this, you know, since I've done this once before, I had a better sense of how to do it this time. And, um, you know, I, I had a sense of, of kind of how it would break into different parts. Um, I didn't formally block it out scene by scene, but had a kind of sense of, you know, um, this this is where I'm going to shift to another chapter sometimes, or, you know, sometimes it's more kind of sections, so I knew kind of I was pretty comfortable staying with Allie and her voice to a certain point, and then I thought something else needs to happen. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, so so it's it's a little more intuitive than that. I mean, the thing I found is... is the more I write, the, the more I, I feel like I can just trust my intuition on that. Um, whereas, you know, I, I think earlier on, I, I really would chart it out really carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then a lot of work gets done in revision in terms of kind of figuring out, you know, changing things or shifting things. I think there were a few scenes that were in third person that became first person or vice versa. And, you know, and it, it's partly figuring out what, what's needed here and what's needed in, in other places. And, um, and also, you know, things like we, we, I wanted to have more voices than just Allie and Kim in terms of the first person. So we try to give, you know, some, some sense of kind of the other, um, you know, some, some perspectives from some of the other women as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, Farrell is just a really tight, um, horror novel too. There's just no, um, there's no wasted, time or it's just very sleek and and i think that's one of the things that um i think is a selling point for the book um for people who might not be normally uh big readers who who are for example fans of the purge movies or whatever um and i i think that that's one thing that i think is a a plus here oh good Yeah, yeah yeah no it was it was super fun to write hopefully it's fun to read as well um, but hopefully it's the kind of fun to read where you'll you'll still think about it a little bit after you finished it. 
Yeah, and I think that that is definitely the case. Um, so it, if anyone's uh, made it this far and um, they, they're they fans of, of the book Pharaoh but haven't read any of your other works, um, I think where would you consider the the first place you would send people? Like I would send them to Immobility personally. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the best one. Um, you know, immobility um, or, or last days, but last days is more extreme. So I think immobility is kind of a good good uh, place to go, partly because it has that weird apocalypse thing that you were talking about and yeah. partly because there are certain themes that are similar in some ways. And mm-hmm. um, Yeah, so so I and, – and it, it really is about what it means to be human. Yeah, yeah, um, and – Immobility is absolutely one of my favorites of the weird apocalypse um, oh, cool. uh, genre. So, um, and I know I've told you before that it's it's one of my, it's my absolute favorite of your work. So, um, I, well, that and any corpse, <laughs> which is a short story for those who who might not know. It's in collapse of horse, uh, collapse of horses, and right. is absolutely one of my favorite short stories of all time. Um, cool. But yeah, so uh, Brian, it was awesome talking to you. Um, I hope people will check it out. And Me too. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me along for the ride.